so today we are discussing Game of Thrones Episode 4, The Spoils of War. I mean, I thought this was just a heartwarming and wonderful episode. I mean, the ending certainly had a little bit of uh, nastiness to it, you could say, but uh, just a lot going on that I was like, my little heart. I love to see my friends having a good time for once. I'm sure all the people who died also had warm hearts. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But this is like the first episode since Dragonstone that I really enjoyed, and I think it's just because I love Bronn. Yeah. You know, like, I read the books. I read the books several times. And this was the first time I got the joke dick on. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't get the joke. It's that I thought they were being respectful and I was being a little juvenile idiot. But uh, I'm glad that Bron thought it was worthy of a chuckle at any rate. <laughs> well, like, no, because I always thought it was, like, dick yeah. Which actually is not any better. It might actually be worse. No, Dickon sounds like, isn't, like, there could be a character named Dickon and no one would comment on it, but Dickon applied directly to the forehead? I don't know that I could let that pass. And now, like, you know, it makes me re- rethink last episode, where, you know, he's like, you're Rickon, right? And then he's like, actually, Dickon. Dickon. And then... And now it's come with this new subtext where it's like, you know, your name should be Rickon. Like, we're going to keep on saying it until it takes just for your sake, because you're such a a nice young man. And I I hope he's still around, you know? Yeah, I worried for a minute this episode. It looked like he was about to die heroically. And in fact, he still might. But so in the ending there. Was that him in the water with Jamie, or was that Braun? I didn't really get a good yeah, look. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Was it Dickon? Was it Braun? And then I was like, maybe there will be a Lannister brother reunion. I know, we're having so many good sibling reunions. I think we could do a brother reunion. But what did you think of the part where uh, Sansa and Littlefinger are watching Arya and Brienne fight, and then like Sansa walks away and... What, is that, like, sister rivalry, sister jealousy? I thought that that scene was sort of purposely ambiguous, but what I would read into it is that she doesn't really understand what Arya's been going through, but watching her fight like that, she's starting to get an idea that when Arya said that she had a bad time, she was not really speaking of the same types of hardships that Sansa faced, which were more of just, like, her trying to survive terrible things happening to her and Arya was like learning to be a bloodthirsty wolf child and uh she's seeing a little bit of that now like how good she is at killing and she thought the list thing was a joke but she soon figured out it was not a joke so now she's seeing that Arya actually has the skills to back that up and it scares her a little bit maybe like she doesn't know what her sister's becoming she also killed her last husband by a wild dog yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm not saying Sansa is any stranger to, you know, attacking people who have harmed you, but Arya is a good fighter, and the fact that she was even better than Brienne, it maybe was a little intimidating to Sansa. Like, she doesn't know how she's going to, like, relate to Arya or what kind of trouble that might cause in the future, but 
I certainly knew why Littlefinger was concerned. Though, I would also be worried about Creepy Bran. Yeah, Creepy Bran, uh, I don't know how I feel about him. And, yeah, Mira, don't go. Don't go. Stay. I know. Stay. Bran needs a bodyguard. Right, and he was so cold to her, and I get that it's not really him. He's got the brains of everyone, but still, I feel like you can reach deep down in your heart and be like, I thank you from that brand brain that I still have. Just thanks for looking out. Have a nice life. But he couldn't even manage that. I have never paid enough attention to Bran to know Bran Bran. Yeah, I don't even know what I would characterize his personality as exactly, but... It certainly wasn't this three-eyed raven persona. He felt human. Three-eyed raven feels like an otherworldly guy who will not even say so much as a goodbye when you're walking out the door. So, do you remember season one? In the books, the dagger is from Joffrey. So Bran has that fall. And then Robert Baratheon says, like, oh, you know, poor boy, like someone should put him out of his misery. And then Joffrey being, like, the twisted little boy that he is, um, pays a sail, sail sword. Like, he just gets the, the blade out of, like, the wagon of junk they have. The Valyrian steel blade? Yeah, and then he, like, <laughs> just gives this dagger to the sail sword to, like, dispatch Bran, you know, as an act of humanity. And, like, Littlefinger is mixed in it somehow. Like, Littlefinger either knows or Littlefinger, like, planted it in Joffrey's head or, like, Littlefinger helped set up something. Yeah, that's what I always thought of it as, is that Littlefinger was basically responsible for that. And, like, what is going to happen when Bran remembers this or sees this? Oh, he knows. He didn't forget a thing. That's what I think. He just has this expression on his face, like, like, not even being surprised by anything, because he already knows already. So maybe it's just, there's no reason he would bring it up with a guy like Littlefinger. Like, what good could that do? Well, I did like how he was like, chaos is a ladder, and mm. I know who's climbing that ladder. <laughs> yup. It was very nice to see all the little Starks together again, uh, except for Jon Snow. I hope that soon they will all get a reunion together, but still. Uh... Arya and Sansa together was very satisfying to me. Uh, even Arya and Bran, even though that was not... It was bittersweet. But just watching them all together in the yard, it felt like... felt very wholesome. It felt like chicken soup for my soul. As close as we can get to this in Westeros. What, what would it be? What is their version of chicken soup for the soul? Is it like a reindeer soup for the soul? Yeah, just like grog for the soul. You know, Grog. some good liquor. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember what they ate in the books. They don't talk about that as much in the show. I just remember that Sansa eats lemon cakes all the time. But lemon cakes for the soul doesn't really sound like it could be good for the peasants. I don't think they have lemons in Starkland. Probably not. So when, when <laughs> Jon Snow, like, brings Daenerys into the cave... First, I was like, Daenerys, you gotta bring, like, a few bodyguards, because, like, you don't know this Jon Snow guy. But the second thing I thought was, Jon Snow has been cave painting. <laughs> no, because that would be what I would think. I would think that crazy Jon Snow has been painting in the cave to try to convince Daenerys. 
Right. Or they just go around the corner and Davos is there with a the little pot and he's like, whoa, and he runs away. I didn't find, I know like the cave paintings are supposed to be like, this has happened before, but I did not see it as compelling evidence because we all already think that they're crazy. Like the Northern or Daenerys thinks that, you know, Jon Snow being stabbed in the heart was like purely metaphorical. Yeah, but I, I don't know, like if she just would have been like, hold on, let me get my carbon dater. And she calls up some <laughs> scientist dude who we've never seen before. And he's like, let me take some samples. Or she could have, like, taken her hand and, like, rubbed it a little bit. Also, that whole scene in Dragonstone was about as close to, like, a romantic comedy as we ever get from Game of Thrones. It's just, like, first we had Daenerys and Missandei, like, basically having, like, a, a, a brunch time reflection of their current romantic situation. And then, like, when they see Jon Snow at the bottom of the stairs, they exchange this look that I just want as a gif right now. Of just like, mm, there he is. And then uh, Davos is, like, having the same talk with Jon. He's like, <laughs> and Jon Snow's like, she has a good heart. And he's like, yeah, you've been looking at that real, that good heart a lot lately. Yeah, and he's like, there's no time for that. There's White Walkers. Yes. They're definitely pushing the rom-com angle. With those two. And then Daenerys ruins it because she's like, bend the knee. And then she's like, is it more important, your people are more important than your pride? And then I was like, but what about Danny's pride? I kind of thought he was going to bend the knee in that scene, though. I really did. Yeah. I was like, okay, I just made you believe this stupid White Walker story that you were opposed to, so now I'll do the thing that I didn't want to do. And it was going to be a compromise. Yeah, well, maybe he will bend the knee when he proposes. <laughs> That is what I think it's got to be leading to. Did you hear about, like, the... I think he's, like, the the Prince of Belgium who has refused to be buried next to his wife because she didn't make him king. Really? Yes. So then, you know, it might be Queen Daenerys and her prince consort, Jon Snow. (laughs) Prince consort Jon Snow. This will not please the North at all. (laughs) But, you know, maybe they're going to have to make some tough decisions when the White Walkers are knocking at their doors. But part of me is also, like, Jon Snow is, like, they won't accept a southerner. And then part of me is, like, but she got dragons. I am sure they would accept her as queen as long as she brought a dragon. Or if Jon Snow just came back with his sheepish expression, he's like, surely you see why I had to do it, right? And they're like, yeah, I think. No, he's just going to get stabbed again. That's what's going to happen. I did really like to see Jamie and Braun interacting like old times, and I really thought this was going to be the end for Braun. Yeah. And in fact, I would not be surprised if he turns up dead the next episode, because you had the whole scene of him like falling to the ground and like a bag of coins rolling out of his hand and towards the fire. It was just like, oh, Braun, you finally went too far for money. You know, that was quite tidy, because like in the beginning, he's like, I want a castle. And then Jamie's <laughs> like, well, the more you own, the more it weighs you down. And then, like, you know, the bag just tumbles, the bag of gold just tumbles out of his jacket. And then he's like, yes, let's just run. And then I was also like, poor Dothraki warrior, do not run after Bronn. It will not end well. Go kill somebody else. Yeah, he was pretty determined. I thought there was a lot of just really on-the-nose foreshadowing in this episode. Like, where Cersei is talking to the guy from the bank, and she's like... So basically, all our problems were solved. And he's like, as soon as the gold shipment arrives, and she's like, yeah, yeah, as as soon as it arrives. And at that point, I was just like, that gold's never making it home. 
Well, Father Tarly, Sam's dad is like, you know, we have seen the gold through the gates of King's Landing. So like, I was like, so it got there, I guess. Oh, Daenerys fries all the grain that those poor farmers. I know. That's terrible. <laughs> when she did, when she burned the gold, I was like, hell yeah, Daenerys. And then when she burned the rest of it, I was like, but your people, what will they eat once you've conquered them? Do you have a plan for that? I just imagine, like, earlier in the episode, Bronn was harassing all these farmers to, like, harvest their crops. And then they're, like, in the distance, they just see the supply train, like, go up in flames. Like, would you be happy or frustrated? Like, what would your reaction be? That has to be the life of your average Westeros farmer, though. Like, these types of things must be like, so it goes. <laughs> Let's get back into our houses and hope we survive the next 24 hours. And, like... Poor Dickon just had to kill a whole bunch of his friends. I felt bad for him, too. They made, they, they pushed him to tell his full side of the story. They're like, your father's not here, you can tell the truth. And he's like, well, some of those men were my friends. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I, I you did good. You won't have to do anything like that ever again. And then the very next thing he has to do is just slaughter a bunch of random horsemen that he found in a field. You know who I think are gonna die? Who? The two guards that were mean to Arya. <laughs> I think she'll forgive them. Well, like, if they pop up again, we'll be like, is it them or is it Arya wearing their faces? Although I guess that's true of anybody who dies in Winterfell from now on. Like, Arya has not had a chance to show her family her new powers, but I don't imagine that they're going to think it's so cool. Like, what's she going to do? Is she just going to keep a collection of faces, like, under her bed? I actually don't understand the logistics of the face thing. The faces just look so good that I thought, like, the fact that they sort of have a physical appearance was still kind of a metaphor. Like, I don't know, like, it's a plastic sheet that does that or something. But then we've seen a hall of faces that all mm -hmm. came from people. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's really weird for me to imagine that she's got a little briefcase somewhere and say, like, Sansa gets Snoopy one day and looks in there and it's just faces. Yeah. She has, like, a perfect Walder Frey face in there. and Oh, and then there is also the mention of the Golden the golden Company. Yeah, which I forget. Uh, do you have some backstory on who they are in the books? Because I don't remember anything about them. They're just, like, one of the sellsword armies. And they were founded by the great bastard Agor Rivers, also known as Bittersteel, who... I believe, is the somewhat half-brother of um, the Three-Eyed Raven. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, the the Three-Eyed Raven was another, like, royal bastard, a Targaryen bastard who was, like, legitimized by um, his father on the deathbed, and then there was, like, the Blackfire Rebellion or whatever, and... In the books, there's this whole other storyline of, like, these bastard Targaryens who also want the throne and don't think that they're bastards, but um, legitimate. Okay, so what can we expect from this Golden Army, you think? Well, the Golden Army is also committed to putting a Targaryen back on the throne. Oh. So they might, they might like, um, betray Cersei. I suppose after seeing this episode, I don't understand what it is that Cersei is bringing to the table against Daenerys, because at first she was like, I have this mysterious weapon that I believe will take down all the dragons. And we just saw that that weapon didn't do shit against the dragon. So, does she plan to have just a lot of them, or... Yeah, like, if there were, like, three of them, it might be good. I felt like it didn't look as big as the ones from before. 
Well, maybe it's just because now we have a dragon for scale, but before that bolt looked like the size of like a battering ram. And now it just was this little tiny thorn in his chest. Even when it hit him, I'm like, oh no, right in the brain. But then they kind of pulled back and showed that it hit him in the chest and yeah, like didn't do anything. Oh, one reunion I was not expecting in this episode was the Jon Snow reunion with Theon. Right, and when that happened, like for a second, I forgot that they had this horrible history together because it's been like a million seasons since he pretended to kill his brothers by using the corpses of local boys. I mean, he did save Sansa, but still, what a gross thing to have done. So do you think that Sansa and Sansa has neglected to send a raven to Dragonstone saying, hey, Jon Snow, by the way, Bran is here? Well, I don't actually have the strongest sense of how time how much time has passed, like, for instance, since Jon Snow has left Winterfell. Like, I don't know how long that voyage took. So I kind of assumed that they were condensing time in certain areas. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe Bran hasn't actually shown up. Or, like, around the time that he does eventually get the raven, we can assume it happened, like, that week. Unless, like, Littlefinger is intercepting the messages. Oh, if he pulls anything like that, he just has to do one thing. If he does just one thing... He's going to have, like, three badass murderer ladies at his door, and he can't withstand that type of pressure. He's got to play it cool for the time being. When Daenerys was, like, flying her dragon and doing battle stuff, I was like, so when did you, like, go to battle school? <laughs> I mean, she only has one move. Like, well, she, she also, like, when they were shooting the arrows, she knew to, like, pull up, so, like, all the arrows bounced harmlessly off, like, the dragon's, like, chest. Right. I don't know. Maybe she's got somebody who's been teaching her. Have you read His Majesty's Dragon? No, I haven't. It is, like, dragons during the Napoleonic Wars, and they have to go to, like, flight school. And it's, like, ships where they have flags, and then they do flags, and that's how they communicate with other dragons. Because each... Oh, I have a question. Mm. What does one learn in Fancy Lad School? It sounds like that's where the lemon cakes are, first of all. But apparently you don't learn that people smell when they die. No, but I did notice that his armor always looks much better than anybody else's armor, so maybe Fancy Lad School is about like, having a polished armyman appearance so that when you stand on the field of battle that you look real sleek right before it all goes to shit. Well, I'm like, is, is Fancy Lad School a thing? <laughs> or was like Dickon just trained by his like father and like the master of the guard? Or is there, like, a bunch of kids and they get shipped off to, like, how this is how you murder people in a chivalrous manner school? I think there must be something like that. Otherwise, how do you learn? Especially when it's not wartime. I imagine when it's not wartime, fancy lad school is the place to be. That's where you're learning all about your warlike presentations and courtship and how to rule your house effectively, all that stuff. But right now, Fancy Lad School, I just... It's like Hogwarts when it was under attack in the last book. I don't think Fancy Lad School is doing so well right now. It's just like a bunch of kids are like just sent to be fostered at a lord's place and then like somebody teaches them. But it's much more interesting to imagine it as like an actual Fancy Lad School. So who else do you think attended a Fancy Lad School when they were young? Loris Tyrell. I feel like the Tyrells might have been very good at Fancy Lad School. But not not so good at the fighting parts. I really would have liked to have gotten to know Highgarden a little bit better as a place. 
before it was ransacked. It always seemed to be, seemed to me to be the nice house. It was just like a rose garden with like vineyards and fountains and like people playing lutes and making poetry about ladies. Actually, like, yeah, if you think about like King Arthur, like that's Highgarden, like. Yeah. The romantic King Arthur, not like gritty King Arthur. So I suppose by Game of Thrones logic, it had to go. And then Dorne is off the table. But, like, who's ruling Dorne right now? Like, they should have left one of them in charge back home. She shouldn't have brought all of them. I feel like the series may end and we will not hear of what has happened in Dorne. I mean, it seems like they could cover it, but with such, like, a limited time left episode-wise, I don't want to get back into the leadership in Dorne. It was just exhausting the first time, and the second time, it's not going to be fun either. But the people of Doran, it seems like they have lucked out. Because their rulers have died, but they haven't been besieged yet. Well, whoever is left in Doran might end up still following Daenerys. And Ed Sheeran is really dead by now. He's gotta be. If he wasn't dead before. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Midnight Breakfast Cafe. To get the latest episodes, you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found or follow us on Twitter at NBC Podcasts. You can find more episodes of Brunch of Thrones and Midnight Breakfast Cafe at midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com. And if you like this show, please like and review us on iTunes. It helps new listeners to find us. We appreciate it. If you have questions or comments, feel free to comment on our blog, which is midnightbreakfastcafe.wordpress.com, or hit us up on Twitter, which was, again, NBC Podcasts.